Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. There is one single issue that could be the single biggest roadblock to finishing the legislative session on time. It's the health care provider tax. It's a 2% tax health care providers pay every time you go see the doctor in a clinic or hospital. Republicans want to let it expire. The governor says that would be catastrophic. Can you look up for me? Every time you visit a doctor or dentist or chiropractor or spend time in a hospital or surgical center, they pay a 2% provider tax to the state. It's estimated to bring in $700 million this year. The money is primarily used to provide state-subsidized health care for low-income Minnesotans. This investment in the health of our people, our families, and our communities is necessary to keep the promises that we've collectively made to the people of Minnesota. Health and Human Services Commissioner Tony Laurie says letting the tax expire at the end of this year would leave a $700 million budget hole. Many health care executives say that could be devastating. We are advocating for a tax that we pay as health care providers. Dr. Penny Wheeler is CEO of Alina Health and says low-income patients depend on revenue from that tax to help them get health care. I think about people I've taken care of. You know, um, a diabetic I took care of who couldn't afford her medications, and so she wound up in the emergency room with a diabetic coma, essentially. But Republicans say the Federal Affordable Care Act now covers many programs for low-income people, and the state doesn't need to collect the provider tax that is usually passed on to patients. Let's pass the two-year budget with the resources we have. We have a billion dollars of surplus, and we can absolutely do it with a 5% growth living within our means. One possible compromise would be to simply put off the expiration of the health care provider tax another two years. But today, neither side indicated any interest in talking about that. It's too early for me to talk about that. I'll let you know. So thank you all. For Tom, I hate to tell you, but I'm not going to negotiate with the media. However, the media always stands ready to negotiate if we have to. Of course, this isn't the only tax up for debate in the legislature. Lawmakers are also at odds over the gas tax. Senate Republicans actually have a bill to lower it, but Governor Walls and House Democrats are in favor of raising the gas tax by 20 cents per gallon. I put a proposal forward that pays for what we do. We are simply paying less than any other previous generations of Minnesotans for the upkeep of our roads, and I think that there's a, a plan there. Willing to listen to them on this, but at this point in time, um, there's a need that's out there. I showed us how we pay for it, and I'd like to continue down that road. We have a bill that uh, lowers the gas tax 20 cents. If we compromise between the 20 cents up and the 20 cents down, we're at a perfect spot. No gas tax increase. It's not really a matter of uh, whether Republicans will give in. I will tell you it's absolutely essential that we have long-term sustainable transportation funding before we leave the building in May. The House also proposes raising license tab fees to help pay for road and bridge repairs. Coming up in a few minutes, Transportation Commissioner Margaret Anderson Kelleher will join us in studio to talk about the gas tax and why she thinks it needs to be increased. Meanwhile, the House and Senate are forming conference committees to come up with final versions of budget bills. Committees started meeting Friday. House and Senate leaders must still come up with joint budget targets by Monday before any major decisions can be made by the committees. They have just over two weeks to pass a final budget. The legislative session ends May 20th. Governor Walls wants to scrap Minnesota's vehicle license and registration system known as MINLARS in favor of a private vendor system. That recommendation came from a blue-ribbon panel the governor convened. The chair of the panel seemed confident consumers won't have transactions disrupted. 
Well, I think you'll be able to get license tabs just the way you get the license tabs today. So that's not going to be a disruption. For the registrars and the people in the back office functioning, uh, this is yet another change. However, taxpayers will be on the hook for more money with this move. The proposed final build-out of Minlars would have cost another $71.3 million. The estimated private vendor option would cost an estimated $85.7 million, but they say that number will actually likely be a bit higher. Of course, the proposed move comes with no guarantees of a smooth transition. Jake Holes examines what the fix could look like and how it could impact deputy registrars who've taken the biggest hit in this Minlar's mess. In South St. Paul, it's a steady stream of customers. Some are even regulars, and most might not even realize it's a family-owned registration site that works with the state of Minnesota. It's been rough. <laughs> Have you lost money because of it? Oh, yeah. For Minlar's? Yeah. We've lost a lot of money because of Minlar's, yes. Katie Bocage tells me her deputy registrar site is owned by her parents. Bocage says they had no choice but to use Minlar's. And after two years, they've lost tens of thousands of dollars and have forced her parents to take drastic measures. In order for us to even keep the doors open. So they literally have had to go into their retirement savings to just stay afloat in order to make our payroll, in order to pay our bills, in order to pay our insurances. And now after two years of failures and more than $100 million, Governor Walls and his task force want the state to scrap Minlars and use private vendors for the software program to earn the trust of Minnesotans who register and title their property with the state. Our goal is first and foremost the best deal for the taxpayers with the best experience they can get. I am not ideologically married for one second to where those solutions come from. Even the state's new information and technology commissioner hinted about Minlar's future when we asked him recently if it could be replaced. I think you have to have an open mind. Uh, we're, we are ultimately stewards of public sector resources and, and that expectation is that we do that in the best way possible. But the one big question for nearly 75 privately owned deputy registrars across the state is this. Will they get reimbursed after being forced to lose money using Minlars? A lot of owners out there have borrowed against their life insurance, which I didn't know you could even do. They've borrowed against their mortgages. They've done whatever they can to stay alive. Jay Coles, 5 Eyewitness News. It could take up to two years to fully replace the Minlar system. Until then, state leaders say they'd keep fixing the existing glitches in the system. Meanwhile, there is legislation in both the House and Senate to reimburse deputy registrars who've been impacted by the Minlar's issues. This week, the great debate over what to call the largest lake in Minneapolis took several turns. On Monday, a state court of appeals ruled the DNR commissioner had no authority to legally change the name from Lake Calhoun to Bidet Makaska. The DNR quickly appealed that decision. Lawmakers also dove into the debate, but with little movement. Lake Calhoun, or Bidet Makaska, is calm now. But after Monday's court ruling, rough waters are likely ahead before a final decision is made on whether to rename the lake. We started working on it right away, drafting the kind of language that would allow for that name to remain permanent. The motion prevails. The amendment is adopted. An amendment passed without debate on the House floor that would only address the renaming of Lake Calhoun as Bidet Makaska 
and address future naming controversies in broader legislation later. Fix it right now, form of legislation, and then take our time to make sure that we're getting it right in the long run. Uh, I prefer like, like Calhoun. Despite the action by House Democrats, Republican Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says any decision on renaming Lake Calhoun will be made by the legislature after more debate. I want open discussion. The courts have already ruled that it's a legislative process. It's going to go through the process. In other words, he says it's too late this session to settle the issue. I mean, my family is uh, Dakota, Lakota descendants, and um, this is Dakota land, and Bidet Makaska is uh, a Dakota lake. But to Representative Mary Kunish Podine, the decision should be easy. It's an affirmation and, and a reminder that um, our indigenous folks, our Native American folks, have been here for centuries and centuries. They lived around that lake. The Court of Appeals says the former DNR commissioner made the decision to rename Lake Calhoun without proper legal authority. Again, the DNR did appeal that decision and wants the state Supreme Court to weigh in on the matter. Coming up next, we'll be joined in studio by MnDOT Commissioner Margaret Anderson Kelleher. We'll discuss the state of Minnesota's roads and bridges and the push to raise the gas tax in order to pay for needed repairs. Margaret Anderson Kelleher has the distinction of being the last House Speaker to successfully pass a gas tax increase. That was back in 2008 when she led a bipartisan override of a gas tax veto by then-Republican Governor Tim Pawlenty. Now Anderson Kelleher is pushing for another gas tax increase, this time in her role as MnDOT Commissioner. And she joins us now in studio to talk about what seems like a never-ending battle <laughs> at the state capitol. Thank you for being here, Commissioner. Well, thank you for having me. Now, you were able to reach that bipartisan agreement back in 2008. As I recall, I was there covering it. It was not easy uh, to get to that point, but that was only, I believe, what, an eight-and-a-half-cent uh, increase, right? Correct. Now you're looking for 20 cents. That's a much bigger leap. How is this going so far? So... The difference in the amount of the gas tax this year comes from a couple of factors. First of all is the governor's budget is dependent right now on making sure that the general fund dollars come out of the transportation budget. That was a change two years ago that was made in an agreement with the Republican legislature and Governor Dayton. And although MnDOT is very thankful for the money that came from that, it is general fund. And it means that it is always going to be subject to the budget in terms of the future. And I know, having been there as a legislator, that when times are bad, general fund dollars are rare, and people go out and they take them for other needs, like education and health care. And so I think the governor has a principle here, which is that uniquely in Minnesota, we have dedication of our funding for roads and bridges through our state constitution, Article 14. It's been the best way for us to fund roads and bridges. And so the first seven cents of that gas tax increase actually holds the Department of Transportation, counties, and cities harmless from removing the general fund dollars. The next 13 cents do a number of things like pay down debt that we have and make sure that we have some funds for the future. And for additional projects that exactly. are needed that, uh, that have to be tackled. Now Republicans will counter and say providing safe public transportation mm -hmm. is one of the major functions of government. Yes. And why shouldn't some of that money come out of the 
the general fund in addition to the gas tax? Yeah, it's a philosophical difference, I think, in terms of where the dollars are coming from. I think the great part of where we are in this session is everyone seems to agree there is a need. And one of the things that we have been talking about a lot at the Department of Transportation and other transportation leaders is a report done for, by the American Society of Civil Engineers, Minnesota chapter. And these civil engineers went out, and what they did is they graded our system in terms of the future, how we're going to be able to handle the future. And unfortunately, Tom, roads get a D plus in that. Uh, bridges are at C. And that is for a couple of reasons. One is 50% of our roadways are 50 years old or older. 40% of our bridges are 40 years old or older in the state of Minnesota. And it means that we have a lot of replacement to do, a lot of maintenance to do, and that doesn't even get to some of the important issues I hear about every day around the Capitol. Things like Highway 12, safety on Highway 12, safety on Highway 212, the interchange down at 494 and 35W, which is one of the top freight bottlenecks in the country. And Highway 14 is another yes, one that you hear a lot absolutely. about. It's been very dangerous for many years. But when you, when you look at all of these needs, yes. uh, people, I drive through downtown Minneapolis every day. Yes. Uh, it's a bottleneck because of all the construction going on there. And as you said, 494, 35W, that's going to be a bottleneck uh, pretty soon. People say if, if we drastically increase the amount that we're spending, uh, are we going to be able to move about? <laughs> yes, we will be able to move about. I promise that we will be able to move about. One of the things that the Department of Transportation has been good at doing is working with the local units of government, city, county, to do even better project planning. And so what you see even on 94, uh, 94 and 35W is although you have one total closure that has happened to get to South 35, you really have fairly smooth movement of traffic today. And, and that um, we're hoping to get that project done as soon as possible for people. Now, the, the Senate, of course, uh, controlled yes. by Republicans, they're dead set against any gas tax increase this year because they say it's not just the gas tax. There's license tab mm -hmm. fees that go up. There's a sales tax in the metro area mm -hmm. for, for transit. They say it's just too much that, that people, and not to mention it's regressive, so it hits uh, lower-income people uh, harder than it does wealthier people. How do you get beyond that? Yeah, so both sales taxes on vehicles and license tabs actually aren't regressive because there is an ability to pay there based on the value of the vehicle you're buying in terms of how that hits the family's pocketbook. So that is not regressive. The gas tax, historically, because it's a user tax, because it's guaranteed in the Constitution, it does hit everyone at a different level. So if you're out there driving a lot of miles in rural Minnesota, it is going to hit you a bit more. If you're a family who uses the working family credit here in Minnesota, the governor proposes putting an additional 100 to $200 into that working family credit to help offset the cost of that gasoline tax increase and does not schedule that to go away. So it stays in the budget and goes forward. Now, the Republicans say they have a bill in the Senate that lowers the gas tax yes. 20 cents. I'm sure you see that as a gimmick, but what they say is they think the governor shooting for 20 cents a gallon was a gimmick, hoping he could get them to agree at 5 or 10 cents. Uh, is there some truth in all of this? Well, I think that uh, things said in jest surely must be true, and I know that there there are times when people really feel like, you know, maybe we could try to lower that price of gasoline tax. 
But the, what I see every day as I go out and fill up my tank is that gas prices have gone up anywhere between 50 cents and 80 cents in the last couple of months here. And not a single penny of that is going to go and help our roads and bridges because we have that set, uh, set gas tax. So, and the other thing that folks need to remember is it helps their counties and cities. For every dollar raised in gas tax, 40 cents of it goes out to their counties and cities as well. And final question. Yes. People will look at the last gas tax increase, eight and a half cents, and all these billions of dollars were supposed to do so much. Yet they're never certain where that money goes. Could MnDOT do a better job of letting the public know where the money goes that when they're asked to pay more? We are happy to share with Minnesotans the transparency of where these dollars go. The first thing is the guarantee is in the state constitution. We cannot be spending it on something else. It can't go off to health care or education. It goes to the building of roads and bridges and the delivery of that system. And it's the same for counties and cities as well. They can only spend it on roads and bridges as well. And I imagine anyone can go on the MnDOT website. You can see it right there. Get an idea of where the money is going. Absolutely. You will Thank be you. among the busiest commissioners over the next couple weeks at the state capitol as you continue lobbying for this. Best of luck to you. We'll sleep when it's over, right? <laughs> All right. Commissioner, thanks for being here. Thank I appreciate you. It. Up next, Andrea Makros and Annette Meeks will be here for political analysis. We'll be back in two minutes. The biggest news out of the state capitol this week might have been the announcement the state will finally abandon the failed Minnesota licensing and registration system you know affectionately as MinLARS. It's actually become a swear word of sorts at the state capitol. Governor Walls appointed a blue ribbon panel of IT experts to study the system, and he agreed with their recommendation to seek a private software vendor to replace MinLARS. It is our quote of the week. If we're going to fail, fail fast and fix it, save money for the taxpayers and get this thing on the right path, we have been dying a slow death for 12 years here, certainly over the last two years, and it doesn't make sense. That was a very decisive Governor Walls uh, agreeing to those recommendations and here now to talk more about that, Andrea Macros and Annette Meeks. This has been a problem that has dated back, as the governor just pointed out, 12 years. You were there during part of the uh, Governor Dayton administration while uh, he tried to deal with this. Is this the right decision? You know, I think that Governor Walls captured it in his quote there, but also is doing the right thing by turning to an independent commission to really focus on solutions. Because at the end of the day, this is costing uh, Minnesotans time and money, and we need to be focused on how we fix it. And I think we've finally gotten to the answer. And he says he wants to save taxpayers money. And as Annette was pointing out, they've already saved some money uh, on this report because it's really just black and white pages without a fancy cover or anything. But it gets to the point. It says it is time to move on to something that works. Apropos to this being fishing opener week, fish or cut bait. And I'm glad they did this, and I'm glad they made a decisive decision that said four other states have had this problem. Here's what they have solved it with, an off-the-shelf software. I just wish we could have done it sooner. But as you said, Andrea, it's the right decision. Let's move forward and let's, let's get on with it. They've already spent about $100 million on it. It looks like it could be another 75 to 85 to $100 million more before all is said and done. But I guess the key now is, Andrew, just to get it right. 
Absolutely. I think Minnesotans, again, don't want to focus on the blame game. They want to focus on solutions, and I think we finally arrived at it. Because it's one of those areas of state government where people actually notice what government is doing because it, it's something that impacts their daily lives. Oh, it does. I just got my statement to renew my license tabs in the mail, and the first thing you think is, wonder how long this is going to take. But it's also hurting the small businesses that do this all over the state. These deputy registrars that issue these licenses, and, and we've been having to supplement their incomes, as many of these people have suffered great financial losses because of a state failure. So it's the right time to move along. And speaking of license tabs, we had the Transportation Commissioner here a few minutes ago talking about uh, their push to raise the gas tax, license tab fees, the sales tax on vehicle sales, uh, as well as a sales tax in the metro area for transit. Uh, it's a tough hill to climb because Senate Republicans are against all of those things. But it's also the right time of year. As the snow is thawing and you're driving down those roads that are full of potholes, and you realize why our roads get that D-plus grade, and they need investment. And again, I applaud Governor Walls for looking to make a serious investment in improving uh, our roads and bridges and things that are, again, costing business and consumers money. But are they just uh, barking up the wrong tree, thinking that Republicans are going to go along with this? Because they have been adamantly opposed to this. And, and it's not just Republicans. It's really taxpayers that are saying, show us what we get for this. Everyone knows that, that first of all, the gas tax doesn't go to local, local communities to fix their roads and bridges. Those are locally levied taxes. What this does is allow MnDOT to accommodate more and more spending. And, and as you pointed out to the commissioner, we're not really sure where the last gas tax increase. We're not sure where the uh, accommodations and, and corrections that MnDOT promised the, the, during the last gas tax debate, where, where all of those have occurred. They need to do all that first. Less than 30 seconds left. This is just one of many areas where there is wide disagreement. What are the chances they're going to get done by May 20th? Well, you know, they're on a good track in terms of setting targets, hopefully tomorrow. Um, so it leaves them a path to find a solution. And I think everybody is inspired to get out of there on time. And so we're all crossing our fingers. Anybody can set a deadline. <laughs> Meeting that deadline is a whole nother deal. Well, that is a whole nother deal. And I think part of it is the House has to come to grips with reality. We're not going to spend $12 billion more over the next four years. Uh, and once they abandon that spending frenzy, I think they can get down to the real work of balancing the budget. All right. It's going to be a busy last couple of weeks of the session, as always. Uh, Andrea and Annette, thanks for being here. Up next, the show will go on for Grand Old Day, the effort to save the summer festival when we come back. There has been a dramatic effort in the past week to save Grand Old Day. Last week, we told you the annual street festival in St. Paul had been canceled due to personnel and money troubles at the Grand Avenue Business Association. Since then, local businesses and community organizers stepped up to save the event. Some of the membership has stepped up. Some of them ended up renewing that didn't realize they hadn't, as well as just some of the neighborhood coming together saying we would like to see this happen. So for now, Grand Old Day will continue as originally planned on June 2nd. Go to KSTP.com for information if you'd like to help out. And that's all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.